0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and today... Following Super Bowl win for the Kansas City Chiefs yesterday over the Philadelphia Eagles, 38-35 out in Arizona. A game in which, I don't know about you guys, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, what else can you say? Right, watching number 15 work yesterday, all the discourse as we headed into this year as far as Kansas City doesn't have Tyreek Hill. How's the offense going to work from a spacing perspective, from a personnel perspective? They go out and win the Super Bowl this year. And watching him work yesterday, obviously there's bounces here and there. Obviously the penalty in that second half that they called, whether you call it soft, whether you, whether you agree with it. I'm sure a lot of you out there, being Commanders fans, agreed with the call on James Bradbury. But overall, the season's over. And now, everyone is zero, zero, and 0 Washington is right now tied for first in the NFC East. As we sit here on February 13th, 2023, the first official day of the NFL offseason. Every single team is now full steam ahead towards the combine, pro days, and the NFL draft in April, training camp, and then the season to come in September. But today, we are focusing on Washington's defensive production from 2022. A couple weeks ago, I looked at the offense. Last week's episode, I recapped the Senior Bowl where I was in Mobile last week. If you missed those episodes, you can go back and check those out. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere that you get your podcasts. You can find us commanding the huddle. But today, we're looking at a defensive unit that finished top 10 in points allowed and yards. Seventh in points, third in total yards for the entire 2022 season. Really? Really? A tip of the cap is deserved for Jack Del Rio and the job that he did with the defense at all three levels with the expectations for the last four or five years have been through the roof. Now it's just trying to get this offense to meet the standards that this defense has set. A defense that has been built from the inside out. First rounders in 2017 with John Allen, 2018 Jerron Payne, Montez Sweat, Chase Young is the second overall pick back in 2020. All three of those guys, and Allen, Payne and Sweat, were fantastic this year. Obviously, we saw a little bit of Chase Young towards the back end of the year. Remains to be seen if they're going to exercise his fifth-year option moving forward to keep him in the Burgundy Gold and potentially earn that long-term contract extension that Deron Payne wants this year, that John Allen got last year. And are you gonna pay Montez Sweat? Because finally, this fall, we saw the potential and the ceiling, if you will, on number 90 along that front four. Among the top five in the NFC in pressures of edge defenders, he had eight sacks tied with John Allen. Duran led the group with 12. It's an it's absolutely fantastic. The fact that John Allen and De'Ron Payne combined for 20 sacks as one and three techniques within the interior defensive line, it's not easy to generate pressure consistently and push the pocket when you're dealing with centers and guards in the NFL. And for De'Ron to have 12 and to John to have 8, both guys look like all pros this year. And they're not going to get nods because of whether it's a lack of team success. That's, that's usually... When we see these all-pro votes and these MVP awards and Defensive Player of the Years, a lot of that is overall team success. And the team success, again, just wasn't there overall for Washington this year. But starting with the front four, all you can do is tip your cap. And even guys like Casey Tuhill, like James Smith-Williams, we saw some Shaka Tony this year. Those guys that came in, F.A. Obata, these rotation Of guys, these three, four guys behind Allen, behind Payne, John Ridgeway in the middle. Dallas drafted him on day three out of Arkansas. Came in and did a heck of a job working within the interior. Remember, this was a spot that Washington drafted Phil Mathis in the spring of 2022 to come in and be that rotational third guy within the interior because of the future that's up in the air still today with Deron Payne. And obviously Phil only played one game against the Jaguars, and was out for the rest of the season, and I'm excited to see him moving into 2023. But looking at a guy like Ridgway who was also a rookie from Arkansas, SEC experience, extremely strong kid, lateral agility, plays with leverage, did a nice job in the run, wasn't a a guy that that you the ceiling that you expect from a guy like Phil Mathis next year who had sack production at Alabama to push the pocket. But if you as a team, and you're Martin Mayhew, and you're not able to sign Duran moving into the next few years as a long-term extension guy, you're just not going to be able to pay him or someone's going to offer more money. Having Phil Mathis coming back at 100% health and seeing what you got from John Ridgway this year in the limited snaps that he had, and you look at his production, I mean, the guy got it. A a decent amount of snaps, but 280 snaps, played in 15 games. Was he a starter? No. Obviously, that was 94 and 93 in Allen and Payne. But you have to have guys that rotationally can come off the bench or slide in and provide more beef on short yardage situations. Or they want to provide some new unique looks. We saw some of those bare fronts this year where they'd have Allen and Payne and Ridgeway, and they would stand up Montez went on one side and Casey Hill on the other side, or James Smith Williams, or F.A. Obata, as a bigger five technique to threaten that front five with bigger bodies. You're able to push the interior, force some help inside. Then you got guys coming on the outside. That rotation of guys where you can just say, hey, I can come in, I'm fresh, right? I got I got my wind under me. Got a couple guys of five, six, seven snaps come off. Five, six, seven snaps, keep rotating. Being able to do that is what made the Eagles so successful this year with their deep rotation of guys. Now, we didn't see it yesterday in the Super Bowl. That's a whole other conversation as far as what Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon did yesterday to counter Patrick Mahomes. Now, that's obviously much easier said than done. But just looking at Washington's front right now, if Duran comes back and they have Phil Mathis and they have John Ridgway still on a rookie contract, same with Phil, these cheap guys and you spend money for Duran, and John's locked up, again, you got guys on the outside that can push the pocket. Now you got interior guys. Again, depth. Depth is so important. And I think John Ridgeway, really, out of anybody who wasn't a draft pick, right, we talked a lot about Phil Mathis, we talked about the potential of Percy Butler at the roof, which we'll get to in a little bit. Seventh-rounder Christian Holmes had a couple starts this year in the middle portions of the season, was more of a special teams contributor. But a guy that they didn't even draft, and they plucked from Dallas after they cut him, came in and played 15 games for you. That's a tip of the cap, not just to Martin Mayhew, but the scouting staff that watches every single player that has a draftable grade. And you have an SEC guy that has that has production at that level. 15 games, working behind John Allen and Deron Payne, learning behind those guys learning along a front four that Ryan Kerrigan is happy to see him as an assistant defensive line coach this year. Who knows down the road if he becomes the D-line coach for Washington because I thought that front four, everybody did a heck of a job this year. Were they dominant every single game? No, but most of the time they were. And every single game, if you guys listen to my pods throughout the year, pregame previews of where Washington has advantages in each ball game. It started with the defensive line every single week. It didn't matter if they were facing the Eagles or they're facing the Giants or they're facing the Colts or the Packers. Every week Washington's success on defense stems from the front four and their ability to not just clog gaps in the run game but consistently push the pocket in a variety of ways. Whether you're just winning straight up man-to-man, you're running stunts, you're creating gaps for blitzers and Jamin Davis and Cole Holcomb. We saw John Bostick and David Mayo and Derek Forrest, Cam Curl, Danny Johnson, Kendall Fuller coming off on rat blitzes. All those different things mesh together. But Washington's front, again, tip of the cap to that unit this fall. So let's take a step back work back to the second level, and this is where we have questions. Cole Holcomb, Jamin Davis now working into year three in 2023, David Mayo, John Bostic, Kalik Hudson got the start against Dallas. The future there remains up in the air. But what is Washington going to do at the second level? What is the future there? Because heading into the year, they wanted to play with three linebackers, that 4-3. They wanted to have Cole Holcomb as that middle linebacker and have Jamin Davis outside of him. And they wanted to roll down Derek Forrest as that Buffalo nickel. And they wanted to play with extra safety, right? So you have Cam Crowell in the field. You have Bobby McCain. You got Derek Forrest, right? You have your corners on the outside. And this is also now, folks, an NFL that consistently plays in nickel. So you need more DBs, you need more athletes, you need more safeties on the field to counter these pass-happy offenses of the NFL. I talk about it a lot about the Giants and what Wink Martindale did against the Vikings in that divisional round, when they—excuse me—the wild card round when they went into Minnesota, into U.S. Bank and beat Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and the NFC North-winning Vikings. Now, did anybody was anybody shocked that the Giants went in there and won that game? I was not, but you saw what Wink does. From a defensive perspective, sometimes he would just put three defensive linemen on the field and have eight DBs, four D linemen, seven DBs, right? So you look at Washington's defense and the athletes that they have moving into next year. What is the, the ceiling for Jamin Davis and Cole Holcomb at the middle of this defense? Because did Jamin take steps moving into this fall? I think he did. We talked about his rookie year how he was a bull in a china shop and everything was accelerated as far as him processing what offenses were doing he was filling wrong gaps when he was filling a gap oh you know plays out the backside, and now i'm chasing down plays and every time you turn on the all 22 it was number 52 chasing plays right because he wasn't disciplined in what he was doing defensively cole holcomb not a crazy good linebacker right not a crazy needle mover for anybody But he's a tackle machine. He understands what he's doing in coverage. He's a leader within that second level. But missed a ton of games this year. He only played seven. And we head into this year talking about, I don't want to see David Mayo. John Bostic, we know what John Bostic offers at the second level. You look back to his days in Pittsburgh. Throwback style of linebacker, a run defender, you don't want him in coverage. David Mayo is the same thing. Two guys also that present value on special teams. Two locker room guys as well. But in today's day and age, when you look across the league and you look at the top defenses in the NFL, you look at the 49ers and who they have at the second level. Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. You look last night, Kansas City Chiefs. Do they have a crazy defense that, again, moves the needle, not really, no. They started three rookie corners last night. Joshua Williams, they drafted from Fayetteville State. Jalen Watson, drafted from Washington State. And Trent McDuffie, they drafted in the first round from Washington. But you look at the second level. Nick Bolton and Willie Gay. That's the, that's the lungs of your defense. Look back to the 2000s and the early 2010s for Washington and the success that they had on defense is when those teams were making the playoffs at a a decent rate, not once every five, six years. LeVar Arrington, Marcus Washington, Michael Barrow, London Fletcher, right? I mean, I, I know I'm sure you guys remember Perry Riley from LSU, right? You have to win games at the lungs of your defense. Sure, all the names are sexy up front, But as you take a step back and guys that asked to do so much in Jack Del Rio's defense from a run fit perspective and in coverage, you have to have guys that are able to do that not just from a starter's perspective, but depth as well. And you look into this draft, a rather weak linebacker class, it remains to be seen. The jury is still out around the league as far as where these linebackers are going to come off the board. Henry To'o To'o from Alabama, Noah Sewell from Oregon. Drew Sanders has been a popular name from Arkansas. He plays that stackbacker spot that can play on the edge. He can play some linebacker for you. He's athletic enough and work in coverage. I was happy down at the Senior Bowl seeing some of the linebackers go to work. Ivan Pace Jr. from Cincinnati. A. Dennis from Pitt. Aubrey Miller from Jackson State. Not going to be a guy that is dynamic in coverage. Not going to come in on third down and be able to cover tight ends one-on-one. But someone that's athletic enough to roam sideline to sideline, hash to hash, on early downs if you need to, this is a linebacker class again. Washington's going to have some new linebackers in the building. They have to get some fresh legs. I don't want to go into next year. Again, I said the same things last year of having David Mayo and John Bostic as your LB3 and LB4. And when Cole Holcomb went out, because again, seven games this year, Bostic and Mayo were consistently on the field as starters next to Jamin. That can't happen moving in to next year. I loved how well Derek Forrest played inside the box this year. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. He is that modern-day hybrid linebacker safety that isn't afraid to knock your chin strapped off off coming down and downhill in the run game and can cover tight ends and can cover running backs. We've saw him make plays on receivers this year, working back, playing some some too high, playing some cover three deep. I mean, he's just did a lot of different things versatility-wise that he did at Cincinnati. And now in Washington's defense moving into next year, he's gonna be an intricate piece. Because the last couple of years we talked about how Landon Collins just was not able to play that safety spot because he could not cover anybody. And then Derek comes in and fits in that Buffalo Nickel spot and is extremely athletic, extremely physical, aggressive, smart, right? Cerebral as an athlete. That's another guy, a young piece in this defense. Every level has young pieces. But at some point in time, folks, you, we can't keep saying that this whole this defense is young. Because really, John Allen, 2017 first rounder, has got a handful of Seasons under his belt. Same with the Ron Montez, been in the league a while. Chase Young, three seasons under his belt already. It's unbelievable to think about that. Jamin Davis moving into year three already. Those rookie speed bumps, those first two or three years in the league, right? Nowadays, those that grace period for offensive players, defensive players, they really it's just not there anymore. When you draft guys in your top seventy picks. You expect him to come in right away and not just compete, but produce from day one. That was the MO in last year's draft in 2022 of every single pick that you look for Washington to come in and produce outside of Chris Ball, who was a depth option. And Christian Holmes was a special teams guy. But again, he had two starts, Giants game and Atlanta game. He started both those games. But this is a defense now where you look at their success this year. It's now about continuing to lift that ceiling. Okay, your top 10 in points and yards this year. Let's get top five, both categories next year. You want to lock up to Ron, solidify that front four, get Chase Young back healthy. Montez Sweat, probably going to want a long-term extension here soon as well. As I mentioned earlier, he's going to have to have another good year because those first couple years in the league, been invisible, right? We thought all these years, him and Chase Young were going to be a dynamic edge edge threat. They were going to be Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, right? They were going to be Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham in Philadelphia. This combination of edge rushers that each team, these elite defenses have, we have not seen that yet. From number 90 and number 99 in Sweat and Young. Hopefully, we see it in 2023. Again, I hate the word hope. I don't like the word hope. I just want it to come to fruition because of the talent that is there. But overall, and a 10,000-foot view, this defense was outstanding this year. And again, tip of the cap to Jack Del Rio. But now, from linebackers, where there are going to be improvements made this year, Take a step back to the secondary. A secondary where this is priority number one or 1A, however you in your mind you want to prioritize offensive line, linebackers, corners, CB, corner, CB1, CB2, dominant man corners. Guys are able to work downhill and zone. That is a major to-do for Washington's front office this spring. They have to get a guy, or guys, in the building that are able to cover the A.J. Browns, the Devonta Smiths, the C.D. Lambs of the world, and the NFC, the Justin Jeffersons, the Cooper Cups, the Mike Evans, right, the D.J. Browns down in Carolina. I mean, the names go on and on. You got Drake London down in Atlanta, right, Chris Olave in New Orleans. It's a very talented NFC when you look from a receiver's perspective. You have to get guys in the building. The William Jackson experiment was failed. It was funny. I talked about it when they traded him for Pittsburgh for a bag of jelly beans. Just get out of town. Go. It's fine. Get out. Talking about how he was a man corner and Washington ran a lot of zone. Well, there's not a defense in the NFL, William Jackson, that runs strictly just man or zone. You have to do a little bit of both. I get tendencies, scheme, You draft players to fit your scheme. William Jackson was a high prize free agent from Cincinnati coming over and was expected to be CB1. Was he terrible in Washington during his tenure? No, he was not. But at times, it was ugly. Same thing can be said to Kendall Fuller, who I, as you guys know, I haven't said a ton of nice things about Kendall Fuller since this podcast, since I've had this podcast since last year. This year, especially towards the back two, three months of the season, thought he was above average on the outside. Benjamin St. Juice, jury remains out on him. Can he stay healthy? The best ability is what? Availability. Have to be on the football field. Two straight years of injury concerns. Big corner, 33-inch arms, the length to disrupt at the line of scrimmage and to work downhill and be physical at the catch point and make plays on the football. There were a lot of flashes from him this year. But he's got to stay in the football field. Is he looked upon as a CB1? I don't know. We will see if Kendall Fuller does return next year. Because right now, it looks like him and St. Tusa are going to be back. But as you sit there with the 16th overall pick, and as deep a corner class that this is, and we will get in again as we get closer and closer to April. These pro days are finish up. Combine. I will be in Indy. I will be at Penn State's pro day to watch Joey Porter. I will be down at Maryland's pro day to see guys like Ja'Corian Bennett and Deontay Banks in the secondary. You're going to have to add bodies. Day one, day two, day three. Guys that can come in and, again, compete and produce. You have to have guys that can cover. We always talk about not having enough edge rushers, right, to push the pocket. You can never have enough guys on the outside that can cover. But you look at the corners that Washington used rotationally this year, I did not think that they did a good job pers- from a personnel perspective of trying to make moves to get guys in the building that would come in and at least move the needle a little bit. Rashad Wild Goose, I- Tariq Castro-Fields, Danny Johnson, who's been around since the Jay Gruden regime, great story out of Southern University, play some nickel for you, some special teams, but he's not a guy that you want playing 500 plus snaps for you each and every year. They just got to get some young juice in the building. And by no means are they old. Kendall Fuller's 28. Been in the league a long time. Benjamin St. Juice working into year three. Cam Curl, young. Bobby McCain, the veteran of the group. You drafted Percy Butler last year. You drafted Derek Forrest a couple years ago. Christian Holmes, seventh rounder. See what you got. So again, they're not old, right? They're not breaking their backs to stand up. They're not guys that you have issues with athletically. Right, but you just have to get guys that, from an athletic perspective, from just being a flat-out, better football player. That's just, that's just what it comes down to. Being better at football than someone else. you got to get some decent talent in the building if you want to get a guy at 16. Joey Porter, Christian Gonzalez, Cam Smith, Devin Weatherspoon from Illinois. Folks, the names go on and on and on in this year's class for corners. Day one, day two, day three. There's going to be talent to be had. You look three, four years down the road, there's going to be a ton of corners from this class that come into the NFL right away and become outstanding perimeter stalwarts from day one. It's just about finding that guy that fits your scheme. And whoever comes in this year, because there will be additions made in the secondary, especially at corner. I don't think Washington's going to make a ton of additions at safety. They like what they have, everything that I've heard out of Ashburn. But corner is a primary need. You have to be able to counter offenses that want to sling it around 35-plus times a game, in man, and working downhill if you want to run zone. You got the front four to create pressure. You can continue to get add more bodies on the outside that can keep guys in phase, be able to make plays in the football, create those turnovers, increase that turnover margin, Get the ball back for an offense moving into this year where it's going to improve. Sam Howell is going to be under center most likely as they move into September. you got the skill positions on the outside. There's going to be additions along the front five. Probably there may be two, three new faces along that front five this year. We will see. This is what's fun about the offseason. And I know every single year, you guys, this is really our Super Bowl. The offseason has been Washington's Super Bowl for a long time too long of a time, to be honest. Right? Eagles fans, I'm giving crap to Eagles fans. I, I told you guys, I live up in the Philadelphia area. I live about 45 minutes west of the Philadelphia area. And being up here and, and seeing Philly stuff at the store, going grocery shopping and hearing the Fly Eagles fly song over the speakers, right? And, and seeing them lose was great. But the success and moving forward for the Eagles is there their foundation is there now they may lose both coordinators they're going to lose a ton of guys in free agency this year but the foundation is there Washington's foundation I mean how many years have we said it I feel like I've been saying the same thing for 3 4 years really since Ron Rivera came into town three straight years now of 500 or below football right we had 8 wins this year our most since 2016 that's a positive step but this is a roster where you should win more than eight games. It's fine-tuning a position group here, a position group here, adding a body here. But you got to figure out the quarterback position. I talked about that in the offensive recap a couple weeks ago. Again, if you want to check back prior episodes, listen in on that. But this is a roster. You look at every single position group that has the potential to win 10, 11 games. They have the bodies to do so. Every every single positional group. Again, there's going to be additions made. Every single roster in football is never the same from one year to the other. As a whole, active 53 on game day. From the final week of the season, whether that's the Super Bowl or week 18 to week one of that following campaign, it's never the same. Never the same. Again, fine-tuning the roster is something that Washington, if they are able to lock down this year and nail the draft and nail free agency, a couple of the scouts I've talked to in Washington's building, as far as the potential targets that they're looking at in free agency, a couple of linemen, a couple of linebackers. We will get into more of that as we move forward into the spring, and some of that stuff becomes more clear if guys are released, guys are re-signed. That'll obviously change Washington's boards for free agency perspective. But this is a roster. That has the potential to not only compete in the NFC East, but in the NFC and 100% make the playoffs moving into the next few years. Because not only are they young, look at the offensive skill players, young at the position. Front four on defense, still relatively young. The secondary, young. Linebackers, young. You're probably gonna add more players this year. You have a lot of talent in the building. Now, it's just about all meshing those skill sets. Offensively, we'll see what offensive coordinator comes into town. That's going to be huge. Meshing every skill set. Defensively, Jack Del Rio will be back in 2023. He deserves to be back. He was excellent. Spearheading that defensive unit this year. Especially the last three months of the season. He was excellent. All levels of the defense. Perfect? No. Holes? 100%. But we've arrived at the 2023 offseason and offseason if Washington is able again to make those fine little inklings here and there of fine just fine tuning little things in the engine right to get it cranking get that high powered engine running and positives moving into September where most likely they're going to have a brand new face in Sam Howell under center there's reasons to be excited for the Burgundy and goal moving into the spring and this offseason. I'm excited about the potential additions that they're going to make. Whoever they add, whoever they cut, whoever they trade for, obviously I will cover it here on Commanding the Huddle. I will follow cover it on Twitter if you don't follow me there already, underscore Ryan Fowler. Again, as we move forward into this process, talking to scouts, agents, players, what I'm hearing out of Ashburn heading into all these pre-draft events, all the all-star star events, excuse me, Are done right. East West Shrine Senior Bowl, Hula Bowl, Tropical Bowl, whatever bowl, though all those are done right now. This is the meat of the pre-draft process. I know we got two and a half months or so until we officially see Washington turn in the draft card on night one in April when we get to Kansas City. But this is Washington Super Bowl every year. Nailing it will lift the performance ceiling of this offense. When we get them in pads and we start to crack week one in September, because for me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited. I am. Offense, defense, there's a lot of potential with this unit, and I know you guys are excited as well. And today, February 13th, is the start of the offseason, which also provides a breath of fresh air as we head in to prepare to get this roster ready for 2023 so that's going to do it for this episode hope you guys enjoyed if, if you did please leave a like review share subscribe again i'm on twitter if you don't follow me already underscore ryan fowler all my written work is housed at the draft including more video and audio content i will have an episode out for you guys next week it will be a mystery episode as far as our topic remains to be seen you guys have to tune in to check out what the topic is going to be, whether it is the draft, whether it's targets in free agency, remains to be seen. But I will talk to you guys next Monday. Always appreciate your time. Again, the start of the off season is today, and our eyes are remain up towards the horizon for Week One of twenty twenty three. So, as always, appreciate your time. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, your news, your sports. You can find us at Commanding the Huddle. I am Ryan Fowler from The Draft Network. Again, I will talk to you guys next Monday. This is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.